Hey everyone, I'm Alex. And I'm Courtney. And this is Nerds at Odds. Your weekly podcast about all things in nerd culture and beyond. And I'd like to remind everyone to rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. And you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter, both at Nerds at Odds. And if you want to get the show four days early, ad-free, and with the ability to submit your questions, comments, and concerns, head on over to patreon.com slash nerds at odds. And I also want to give a shout out that we now have a Twitch channel and a YouTube channel where we're doing some streaming and video content that y'all can check out as well. And now we want to introduce our special guest for the day, Jamie. Jamie, how's it going? I can't, I can't, I can't handle how completely well rehearsed <laughs> y'all are with this. Like I genuinely, I've listened to this podcast every single episode all the way through, and I've never been able to tell if the intro that y'all start with has been pre-recorded and then you throw it in before you start, or if you do it every time. Every time. Every time, yeah. Because <laughs> it's because it's so well put together. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Now, I believe Hi. I believe Courtney has some questions to ask you. Oh god, I'm very scared. <laughs> it's time for I probably don't. Are we just are we just going straight into it like just 100%? Sure. Or you could tell people how you know us if you want. Hi, I'm Jamie. I uh I've known Courtney and Alex for a long time. God, how long have I known Courtney now? 6 years? That's wild. And Alex for 3, 2, 3, 3. 6 years for me probably. Mm. Three. three. Yeah. Three three tomorrow. Three tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Three tomorrow? Yeah, so I know first Y'all keeping track? Wow, that's wild. Congratulations. Thank you. I have to plan something. You haven't planned okay, well I take back everything I say about being like rehearsed and prepared. And all, <laughs> all right, Jamie, you ready? Sure, I'm ready. I can listen. What is your Hogwarts house? Oh, the nerd question. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, I I've always been uh, a Gryffindor boy myself. I like to think of myself as the main character in everything I do. So you know. Sounds about right. Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> it was a joke, but fine. A little hurt. You could maybe be a Ravenclaw. That's fine as long as I'm not a Hufflepuff. <laughs> I still don't know what they do. We're very loyal. The good finders. We're, basic. Good. <laughs> We're especially good finders. What the hell is a Hufflepuff? All right. What class do you think you would be best in in Hogwarts? This was the only one uh, from your first episode that I didn't have an immediate answer for. Uh, but I, I think I figured it out. I think my answer is divination because that class is... Um, not a lot of real stuff it's just a lot of you know hocus pocus make-believe and i'm really good at making stuff up on the fly and making it sound convincing and i'm so. pretty sure in the books that's all ron and harry do is they just make up all their assignments that's what i'm saying though i feel like i feel like that would be something that i'm really good at is just flying through that class at some point we got to talk about the film course i took while we were all in college i mean together. that's that's what you did in class is you just flew by the seat of your pants that's factual yeah and landed all those a's man i was good at it well to, to be fair for this question courtney and i did a buzzfeed quiz yeah. and just accepted those answers well i also thought I mine was right yeah i i guess that in the beginning i, I didn't think it was going to be arithmancy or something mm. Some dumb class. What is that? It, what is that? It's the it's magic with numbers. I don't know. Some weird math. Magic, thing. magic math. Oh lord, that's like that's like all the fun of magic taken away, <laughs> and all the fun of math. There's oh, no fun hush. in math. Nobody likes math. All right, Jamie. 
Just because you like math. Who is your favorite superhero? I didn't have an answer for this for a very long time until last year. I think it was last year when Into the Spider-Verse and Insomniac Spider-Man came out within the same year. Now I'm a Spider-Man guy. That's just where I'm at. Because you're talking about one of the best films ever made and a brilliant example of game design in the same franchise in the same year. That that was that was it for me. I'm all over Spider-Man now. Right. Just, just to tease what's coming up in this episode without giving too much away, have you been able to play Miles Morales yet? I have, yeah. I'm okay. I'm only I'm only a little bit of the way into it, but I've got some thoughts and I will share them, I promise. Okay. Cool. Okay. Jamie, what superpower would you most want? Telekinesis. That's the easiest one. Really? Because I thought with your spiel about Spider-Man, it would be to be able to cling to the sides of walls like a spider. I wouldn't need to. Telekinesis, you can move anything with your brain. I could just move myself. If you have telekinesis, you can fly. That's fair. That checks yeah. out. Telekinesis is the most overpowered superpower, man. I tell y'all what. But the ability to speak to animals would be great. You can just make animals do what I want. Telekinesis. That sounds like one of the... Who uh, cares what they think? I'm just Unforgivable gonna, don't, curses. Don't. Huh. We'll pass the Harry Potter well, segment. Well, <laughs> I mean, we can, we can take it to a dark place if we want to, or we can just accept the fact that it's a cool power to have. I mean, that's kind of up to y'all. All right. What is your favorite Star Wars film? Um, episode five. Okay, that was all I answered as well. I, I really, it's because it's the best one. I mean, mm -hmm. we don't. There was, there were a lot of opinions that y'all shared in the Star Wars episode that I did not agree with. But the fact that episode five is the best episode is one that we don't have to discuss in any capacity. <laughs> well, Star Wars is a very uh, divisive, divisive, opinionated topic. At least, yeah. People have people have thoughts. Some of them are valid. I'm just kidding. All of your opinions are valid. They're just wrong. <laughs> that's a shirt. That's a shirt. Write that down for the merch store. Uh huh. Sure. Yeah, open a merch store. All your opinions are valid. I'm sorry. I'm They're sorry. All right. Wrong. Am I getting am I getting commission on this or what? No. We'll give you a free shirt. <laughs> what? A free shirt. Well, honestly, you know that's pretty much what I can ask for. At this but it point. can only it can only be in double XL means. We have to keep double, the good well, stuff. I mean, it's a sleep shirt. I'll sleep in it. What color lightsaber would you have? Okay. I will admit that I don't know all of the rules for the lightsaber colors. Because He'll there are rules for lightsaber colors. I know, I know he does. I know Alex does. But there's a limit to what I know about it. So my answer is purple. Because I like purple. What does that say about Jamie? Pu purple purple are, are for the uh, elite warriors. Awesome. I'm okay with that. Hey, don't don't give me them air quotes. Come on. No, I, I'm just saying elite warriors because it was just Samuel L. Jackson being like, I want purple. Yeah, so so he's the only one with a purple lightsaber. That's 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 an awesome move right there. I I would I would go to I would go to the director and be like, No, I, I need I need my own color. This is this is important. <laughs> I want people to remember that it's me. I'll take the pink pink lightsaber, please. Thank you. Uh, if it's not rainbow, I don't care. Like, <laughs> so here's the one that might take the longest for you to answer. What is your oh, favorite God. game or game series of all time? Oh well, the the answer is not hard. The explanation as to why is hard. The answer is my favorite game of all time is Kingdom Hearts Two. 
recognizing, of course, that the Kingdom Hearts franchise is a disaster, and uh, it's it's and it's only gotten worse. That's the that's the worst part. You play the more recent games, and they've completely changed the canon of the series to the point that it's almost unrecognizable. But when you're deep in the lore and you care about these characters, even though they're kind of terrible, you keep finding yourself drawn back in, and it sucks because a lot of those games are just bad. I have lots I have of them are good, but uh. I have two questions for this. One, you've played the most recent one, the Melody one. What's it called? Melody of Memory. How does that affect the story of Kingdom Hearts? Uh, well. I don't actually know. I'm probably so the the way that that game works is it's separated by, um, it's separated by game kind of. Mm. So the 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 gimmick of it is it's a rhythm game, but you play through each of the game's songs like major soundtrack pieces, um, which is kind of neat. And it's a bizarre rhythm game. It's kind of like a one button rhythm game, but it's considerably more complex when you're actually playing it. I don't know. It's hard to describe. Regardless, um, Tetsuya Nomura, the director and writer of the franchise, said that there would be not a lot, but some lore in the game. And I just haven't reached it yet. I've maybe put five or six hours into it, and nothing has come up. So I have no clue. And my second point is, do you think you would love this series of games as much if there were no Disney characters in them? Oh, actually, the answer to that question is yes. Um, because I did not grow up with the franchise because it was Disney. That's, that's the super simple answer. The more complicated answer is having gone through the franchise in its entirety, it has gotten to a point now where the, as the Disney aspect of the games, uh, is actually detrimental to the overall lore because Kingdom Hearts has stopped being about a blend of Disney worlds with this kind of custom canon and has shifted to everything is about this one kind of story and the Disney worlds are there because it's a contractual obligation and it's very frustrating. You play through Kingdom Hearts 3 and it's the Disney worlds are completely superfluous. They they add nothing to the overall story of the game. You play 18 hours before you actually hit the part that people care about. Um, and yeah. it looks like the direction they're going to go in is they're going to focus less on the Disney worlds, which I think is a good thing, but I don't yeah, mean to ramble. I'm would, sorry. I think that would be good if they, cause I heard that the, the frozen world, the director had like a big awful. plan for it. And then the people who did frozen were like, no, you can't do that to our characters. It was, it was awful. And, and the worst part about it is they've, they've made it so that there are Disney characters that are integral to the kingdom Hearts story, not the Disney stuff that's thrown in there, but the kingdom Hearts story. Um, and you can't get rid of those characters because they matter. Um, but if they chose to take the games in a direction where there was considerably less focus on the Disney aspect, the characters would stand out even more. Again, there's there's a lot to be said about it, and, and if y'all ever want to have a Kingdom Hearts talk, boy howdy, I'll just sit there and talk for hours. But that's not the point of this episode, so we won't go there. <laughs> if, if we do happen to have a Kingdom Hearts episode at one point we bring you on maybe connor who knows oh yeah we we could we could have a whole long conversation about that man there's a lot to talk about in that franchise first courtney and i would have to spend like six months playing every kingdom hearts game to get caught up 
You wouldn't you wouldn't have to play six months worth, but I I've watched you guys play what the first one, I think. At least the first one, yeah. Um probably a good chunk of two, if not all of two, also. But I know you haven't watched all of Chain of Memories, and I know you haven't watched all of uh Birth by Sleep, and I know you haven't watched all of Days, and th- there's a lot. There's a lot of games, admittedly, but... What's your favorite gaming console of all time? The PlayStation 2 uh, is my favorite, although I will I will also say that I have uh, the Nintendo Switch and the Game Boy Advance as close second and third. Not necessarily mm-hmm. in that order. PlayStation 2 is nostalgic. Was the PlayStation 2 your first console? It was my first home console. Uh, the Game Boy Advance was my first mm. console ever. I got my first console. I hadn't thought about this in a while. The first console I got was the uh, uh, purple Game Boy Advance. And I got it at Christmas when I was seven, eight, somewhere in there. And uh, it was mm. it was my cousin's originally, but he had upgraded to the SP he he gave me his his console and a, and a copy of Sonic Advance and a copy of Pokemon Ruby and some Spirit game Spirit the Horse game which I remember my his sister my other cousin getting very mad about because it was her game and he wasn't supposed to give it away and I kind of just quietly took it and played it and it was fine. <laughs> yeah, the the PS2 was my first console. I don't I had a Game Boy too, but I don't remember when when I got it. I. My mine's similar to Jamie's when I got my Game Boy Advance and the Game Boy Color is they were just hand me downs from my sister. When she got the the Game Boy Advance, she gave me the color, and then when she got the tired of Nintendo, she gave me the. How do you get Advance. tired of Nintendo? That's not. <laughs> I don't know. She she thought it was not grown up. Well, she swayed by Sega's marketing campaign. It's like, man, I gotta get me a Dreamcast. Nobody got a Dreamcast. That console was a colossal failure. Alright, Jamie. What is your favorite Pokemon? Um, okay. I actually was thinking about this question today cause at work because I knew you were going to ask me about it. Um, the answer is Eevee. Eevee is my favorite Pokemon. I liked Eevee before they realized it was marketable as hell. I cannot believe them... I cannot believe, pardon me, that it took them this long to realize how marketable Eevee is. They didn't start really oh, leaning yeah. on Eevee as a marketing tool um, until Gen 6, which was 2014, something like that, X and Y, which is wild to me because everybody loves Eevees and they keep making new evolutions for, well, they used to keep making evolutions for them. and They really dropped the ball here. They could have made a dragon believe, Eevee. I believe, man. I really game. want them. I want them to do a ghost Eevee. Or a bug Eevee, something that would be kind of strange for the evolutionary line. But as a follow-up, Azumarill is is definitely at the top. I really like Luxray. I've grown recently uh, a strong fondness for the Bulbasaur line. I never had a really strong opinion about the first uh, generation of, of starters. I know everybody does, but I never did. But recently, man, I gotta tell you. Bulbasaur is my favorite. He's cute. He makes me happy. I have multiple shinies. It makes me happy. Uh, I have I have one on my shelf. I have a lot of nerd stuff on my shelf, but I have a Bulbasaur on my shelf. His name is Midori. It means green in Japanese, and he's he's my baby boy, and I will take him with me everywhere until I die. That's, we have a, a little a little tiny Bulbasaur. He guards our plants. Good at that, because he is a plant kind of. 
Isn't there isn't there conversation in the Pokedex lore about whether Bulbasaur is a plant or an animal? There's actual debate. I, I, I seem think to recall so. remembering yeah, that. Because it, it, it mentions weird stuff in the Pokedex, but the Pokedex is wild. probably written by like a it's ten year old. I mean, so I don't know. Some of the stuff they come up with for the Pokedex definitely should not come from a ten year old's mind. That's There's true. some screwed up stuff That's in true. there, man. So on the topic of Pokemon. What is your favorite Pokemon game? My favorite generation is Gen 3, so Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald. Emerald is the superior version of that game. I grew up with Ruby. I played Sapphire more. I, I don't really have a preference out of the three. I think the best Pokemon game is Platinum, and I will pretty much fight anybody who says otherwise. I have some strong opinions about that game. That's fair. I really wanted to get Soul Silver, but I got Heart Gold, and it's impossible to get Soul Silver without given away 60 bucks it is insane to me the value that gen 4 holds all of it diamond pearl platinum heart gold soul silver all of them are minimum 50 bucks no matter where you look it's crazy that nintendo hasn't put all that stuff for sale on the switch in their backlog because you could they buy know what the they're DS. doing well right. but but the issue is that nintendo is very aware I, I don't always agree with their tactics, but they are very aware of what they're not releasing. That is a very intentional choice by them as a company, which is frustrating on many levels. It's very much like Disney's, like, Disney vault. It's like, it is. oh, it'll make it more expensive. It is. But there's, there's no Disney vault anymore, thanks to Disney+. Plus. They kind of just like, oh, here's all of it. Just take it. Well, right, but they're rotating. they're rotating content, right? Yeah, I think so. Like, they just recently put Home Alone on Disney+, Plus, and I think it was on Disney+, Plus before, and they took it off and then put it back on for Christmas. But it's but it's not an inaccurate comparison, honestly. I mean, Nintendo's, Nintendo's um, business decisions are often anti-consumer to the point that it's a little disturbing. They have, they have a gigantic backlog of games that were either never released um, stateside or... Um, were released in such limited quantity that trying to get your hands on any copy of it would cost an arm and a leg, almost literally. And and their their choices on how they want to approach accessibility to their uh, franchises is is inane, in my opinion, in many cases. But again, we're not talking about that. I'm I'm rambling. This is gonna be a rambly episode. I apologize in advance. It's fine. So last question. Before we get on into the next-gen console talk. Your favorite Disney princess. Go! Oh, God. I'm not sure I have a good answer for this. Um, My gut answer is Belle. Amusingly, because of her actions in Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> I, uh, I, well, that was all answers. I well. think that... I think I remember. I think that... Um, I think that the original Beauty and the Beast is a great movie. I don't think it's amazing. I think that it, it stands the test of time, but only just... Uh, and the remake is a disaster. Sorry. I like I, the Okay, remake. look. The remake had some some redeemable values. Evermore, the new song that they put in there, is the best song that has come from that franchise. It's a great song. And Gaston was great. The acting was fine. It bothered me immensely that they chose to have Emma Watson sing and then they auto-tuned the hell out of her voice. I understand why, but from an artistic perspective, it's frustrating 
because it's such a bell bell has always been a very strong character and and them choosing to just kind of make one of the largest aspects of her performance a kind of throwaway was is bothersome but again i'm rambling too much anyway her actions in kingdom hearts 2 are super fun if you haven't played the kingdom hearts franchise you probably shouldn't but if you choose to play 2 because it's the best one and real quick i just want to shout out that all upcoming episodes that are coming out for free on the 27th and the 4th are going to be disney animated i'm looking uh, forward to that reviewed review episodes yeah we're gonna do uh bronze through we're gonna, it, we're gonna do it, we're gonna do up until Renaissance one episode, Renaissance yeah. to present another episode. Yeah. So be on the lookout for that. To yell at and now about and... your Renaissance opinion, so I'm so excited. <laughs> well, Alex doesn't have the nostalgia goggles that I do. I haven't seen ninety percent of these films in my have life. Have you not? So no. We just watched like a, uh, Re- the Rescuers. He'd never seen it before. I haven't seen Rescuers either. Uh, admittedly the 101 dalmatians he'd never seen i saw that again recently my opinion on that movie completely flopped after i saw it again recently yeah the, the only ones i've seen are probably most of the recent ones and about half the renaissance ones and that's it hmm. so you said you saw bambi and the fox and the hand yeah I, yeah i guess and some of the classics so that's that's the next episode what we're doing today is talking about the next generation console series x ps5 Real quick, uh, we hope to get this episode out a little sooner than this, but we both, Jamie and us, have experienced troubles getting these consoles anywhere close the to virus, a launch man. day. <laughs> Everything's I mean, slowed it's, down. It's, it's, it's interesting. I feel like uh, Target has been consistently late, but have managed to get all the ones out that you pre-ordered. And Amazon has either gotten them on launch day or has pushed them back to like late December. So I haven't, yeah, I I haven't had any experience with Amazon. I I think it, I was fortunate enough to get pre-orders in on both systems at Target, um, which was a big deal. I prefer not to spend tons of money on Amazon when I can avoid doing so. But the uh, the it was interesting because the I got the Xbox. Uh, two days after it launched from target and the playstation took a week and a half to get here after it launched so uh... yeah it, t- it took three days for us after it launched yeah I, yeah i saw so... your post in our chat that you got it yeah. i was like mm, I'm, I'm angry i want it so real quick since you're the only one who's got a series x i want to give you this time to give us some thoughts about it system level first i suppose yeah um it's it's an Xbox. That was the thing that struck me most dramatically. Um, I, I I say that, and it sounds like a joke, but I'm I'm dead serious. I turned it on, and it's an Xbox. I mean, it's exactly what you think it's gonna be when you turn it on. The 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 PlayStation when you turn it on is very flashy. It's very hey, look at us. We're a new. We have this new design. It's all sleek and modern and fancy. And you turn on the Xbox, and it's the same system that you had before, which makes sense from a marketing perspective, since that's kind of where they were going with the Series X and the Series S. They were not supposed to represent a, a gigantic leap forward in terms of uh, game development. They were meant much more as a uh, an, an all-in-one platform that happened to be far more powerful than what they've put out in the past. 
Um, Real quick, uh, do you think it's odd that the company who sold 115 million consoles is the one that decided to change the most drastically, and the company who sold maybe half, if not less than that, is the one who tried to stay, stay the same? That seems a bit odd to me. Well, here's the thing. I'm glad you brought this up so early, because this is, I think, going to be a very important talking point. Um, this past generation, Microsoft had a very, very rocky launch. This is not a secret to anybody. Anyone who was around to witness the launch of the Xbox One knew that it was a colossal failure from the get-go. Um, and honestly, I think if they had made some decisions differently and marketed it differently than they did from the launch point, um, they would have been considerably more successful as a, uh, as a company. But the, the thing to note about this past generation, now that we're uh, in the in the last kind of stages of it with this new generation on the horizon. It's here, but it's not really starting yet, I don't think, um, is that Microsoft ended up being the progressive company. It was very strange to witness because generally speaking, Microsoft is not a progressive company, um, but they were they were the most open minded. Uh, they were the most, uh, they certainly were the most improved. They pioneered backwards compatibility for the generation. They worked most closely with um, more companies to provide uh, cross-platform play. These are things that are going to become integral to consoles going forward that Sony just refused to accept because they didn't have to. They recognized that they were making more money. They recognized that they won the generation from the get-go. So they were like, eh, we don't have to play nice with anybody. We're just going to go with it. So to answer your question, not really. I don't really think it's strange. I think that Microsoft has chosen to take a very different path intentionally, recognizing that they're never going to outsell PlayStation so that their appeal is going to be building an ecosystem that's appealing to a grander majority of people because it is so open platform. And what would you say are the biggest improvements from the Xbox One to the Series X? Well, um... There's a lot to be said for the sheer power behind it. I mean, it's, you know, load times are very, very fast. Um, graphical fidelity is up. I played a couple of games on it before we, we had a chance to really sit down and mess with it. But the um, the things that I noticed were it was the, the, the clarity is very strong. Um, graphical clarity is very strong. Frame rates are really good, especially on things, especially on like lower power games. Like you play a game like Rocket League. Um, and Rocket League will run on anything, but it looks fantastic on the new system. Just top-notch. Um, almost too good. It's a little unsettling. But again, right now, you're not looking at the Xbox Series X and going, okay, the reason I'm buying this is because it's got all these incredible new games that are coming out for just it. Um, that's why you're looking at a PlayStation. But for the Xbox, you're looking at it as, now I can play all these games that I already own way better and with more people. That's why you're looking at buying a Series X or a Series S. Okay, and I think that covers all the top-level questions I had for it. Is there anything else you want to say about the Series X before we start talking about the PlayStation? Uh, yeah, you're going to think that the uh, Series X is big until you get a PlayStation 5. Oh, God, yes. It's just dumb how big that system is. It's massive. It's... We had to take out the shelves in the middle of our entertainment system. And just put the PlayStation. Yeah. Like, we have no other... That, 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 that was more so because I wanted as much empty space around it as possible so it doesn't overheat easy. 
like I mean, going forward in its life, I don't think these consoles are gonna overheat day one. But going forward, if it's in a tight area, the dust is gonna build up in it. So I think it's it's just want to make sure the the thing that struck me the strongest, honestly, about the PlayStation more so than the Xbox is PlayStation designed it to look hyper futuristic, mm. which I appreciate. And then you get it in person, and it looks exactly like it does in the marketing, but you realize that it's immediately dated itself. There is no way that in in four years when PlayStation is like, all right, we're going to do a console revision, it's going to be a little bit more powerful, and it's going to be way smaller, because I cannot emphasize enough how huge this thing is. Um, they're going to keep the design language, but they are going to tone it way down. <laughs> My guess would be if they do a slim model in like three or four years that they're going to take off the white parts entirely and the like black box that's in the middle of that, just shrink that and that's going to be your system. I'm not sure I agree with that. Like I said, I think they're going to keep the same design language, but... You think they're going to keep the white fans on it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's... it's mm-hmm. it's that's The thing about the PlayStation 5's design is that it's so standout. I mean, it doesn't look like console hardware that came before it. It looks like a router... Um, all the, all the internet comparisons were not wrong. Um, but it's, it's, it's intentionally designed to look way different and they're not going to give that up. They're going to make a PlayStation 4 that, or excuse me, a PlayStation 5 that looks similar, but not quite as extreme and way smaller in three or four I mean, and according, according to Sony, it's entirely to deal with heat displacement. So if this design stops it from sounding like a jet trying to take off from Earth's atmosphere in four years, I'm going to be happy. I'll be fine. Honestly, Because I couldn't yeah. hear, I couldn't hear game audio over my PlayStation 4 by the end of its life. I had to put headphones on. It, it was very loud. And I'd look over and it'd be like, is it okay? Is it running? Did it explode? So what, are, what were some of your first impressions about the system itself when you got it besides its size like when you turned it on what were you what were you thinking um i was struck by how much it felt um honestly the the difference that i felt with with the playstation starting it up is it felt like a playstation but it didn't feel like i was on the same hardware um they they made a very intentional decision to to kind of make the experience getting in feel less like a a next generational jump like the playstation 4 did from the ps3 um it was it was much more subdued um and frankly uh despite the fact that they're sticking with the uh, kind of linear horizontal homepage design with the app icons that i have never ever liked i didn't like it with the playstation 4 i don't like it with the nintendo switch i don't like it with the ps5 but despite that they're keeping that um they they i think the improvements that they made to the ui are very good um they're very intuitive my only issue is that when you hold the playstation button down it doesn't bring up a menu that lets you turn off the system I, uh... yeah yeah i feel i feel like though by like the beginning of next year we'll have that muscle memory gone i think it's much more um quicker easier to use than the ps4 especially since the I tend store to agree. The store, the PS Plus and PS Now are not apps. They're already integrated, so you just have to like, hit down and you're there. Um, I think it reminds me a lot of the PS3 more than the PS4 in a lot of ways. In in some ways, I agree, yeah. Yeah, you have like these bubble things, and it 
it's weird to see that like jump back in here. I don't like change, so <laughs> I was like, mm, it's different. It's yeah, I understand that. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 well, and and honestly, the uh, the thing that I found most interesting about the design language was the uh, the sub menus that pop up while you're playing a game. If you hit the home button. Mm. It doesn't immediately freeze everything. It pops up this this kind of options menu where you can do a whole bunch of stuff. Um, some of which is very intelligent. It's well designed, and, in my and opinion. And like the the help videos, to like mm-hmm. those are great. Yeah. Es- especially when you're looking for things. Yeah, it doesn't have the same the app switching as uh the xbox does so when you're when you're when you're playing on xbox you can literally switch between two running games at any given point and the playstation doesn't do that but at least in my experience so far it has not been able to do that it, but it it, it it cannot what it has is it's got like this switcher thing that you can quickly jump to a game but it closes the one you're in and starts that one up and using the activity card you can select an activity to jump into which bypasses the splash screens in the front but you have to close your current game and start that one I don't know how much, like how much time you're losing between this and Xbox's quick resume, but I feel like PlayStation should probably try to implement a quick resume feature. Well, it's interesting. I think that I think that they have the opportunity here to to. I think they're testing the waters with a lot of these features, um, and I think that a couple months down the line, we're going to see some serious improvements to how they're optimizing the hardware that they have, how they're using these features in, in, in kind of smarter, more optimized ways. I think right now is very much experimental. Yeah. Xbox might be built differently than PlayStation five, like how it stores its memory. Cause from what I heard quick resume on Xbox works by the Xbox saves like your state in a game. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the other one, and then it loads that save back up, kind of, in a way. And I don't know if PlayStation has the technology in their hard drive to do the same thing. And it's also, like, 200 gigabytes smaller, so I don't know if they really want to try to do that. I cannot believe that both systems shipped with less than 2 terabytes of hard hard disk space. I cannot believe it. Or, excuse me, SD space. Once you take into consideration the OS, neither of them shipped with a terabyte, so... It's it's offensive. You're looking at I mean games nowadays are are 100 gigs download easy. I mean it's it's unless you're playing exclusively indie games, 1 terabyte is just not enough. You see Cyberpunk's coming on two Blu-ray discs. You ready to get that download? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, we're going to see how that goes. <laughs> Brings back good old memories of Final Fantasy 13 on the Xbox 360 <laughs> when they just realized that they had to use four DVDs to make it happen. <laughs> so you you didn't say specifically what games you were playing on the series x so you want to talk about that a little bit and then we'll talk about what we've been playing on the ps5 yeah i mean i think that i think that it's important to note that on launch the series x in terms of uh, software is very weak it doesn't have a bunch of cool exclusives that you can only play on series x right the 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 most appealing thing that i've seen so far is the tetris effect multiplayer update which by the way looks awesome if y'all haven't played Tetris Effect, seriously, do yourselves a favor, play Tetris Effect. It is the closest thing to an acid trip you can get in a video game, but it is wonderful. It's 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 an unparalleled experience. Highly 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 recommend that. Um but 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 yeah, I mean, I think the I think the Xbox One's like I said, I think its strength or excuse me, the Series X, I think its strengths are that 
it has a, a much open a much more open platform as 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 a system as an ecosystem um you have considerably more access to more games purely because microsoft designed a backwards compatibility system that was uh software base as opposed to sony who had to work around stuff they had to work around the limitations of the playstation 3 hardware to make backwards compatibility possible on it when you played a playstation 2 game on a ps3 it's because they built a playstation 2 into the ps3 i mean that was what they had to do because the ps3 was such a nightmare to develop for so that's that's the appeal of the xbox is it's not that you're getting a bunch of new games right now because you're not no matter how bad sony wants to i doubt they'll ever get ps3 working on a on another console they're just gonna have to skip it they 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 should be able to do one and two so what what specifically have you played on series x though just to yeah i've been playing uh like i said i played some rocket league um just to get Mm -hmm. a feel of how it kind of handles base game um i played a lot of titanfall 2 which i still think is one of the best shooters ever made and it was uh the, the it was interesting because the gameplay itself felt identical to an xbox one um but man seriously the load times were just dumb i mean you just launched into a game i it's it's that's that was that was the thing that they're really pushing i think i feel like we've hit a point where we're getting diminishing returns on on uh software development we we we've we've gotten to a point where the the uh, advantages of this newer hardware are not that we can make bigger worlds or more intense textures pop on 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 characters it's that um we we have we've hit that point and also now we have the capacity to to run frame rates way faster higher frame rates um we have load times are cut down um and and that's the appeal of this generation theoretically it's still kind of hard to say because we're very early on on it but i in my opinion it is unlikely that we're going to make huge graphical leaps at this point we're just going to see what was the question i feel like i got off track here <laughs> just, it's just it's just what games have you played on series X? yeah titanfall and rocket league were the ones that i were really testing with and now on, on ps5 we have played uh, astro's playroom Yes. Which we got the platinum in this morning. Yes. That game we, is adorable. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I I definitely helped platinum that game because the puzzles were not. Yeah, great always for with Alex. the puzzles with you, Alex. <laughs> every time, every time y'all talk about video games, Courtney was like, "And I did the puzzles." <laughs> yeah, and uh, we'll, we can talk about this a little later, but the way Astro uses the dual sense is revolutionary it's 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 very it's very intense absolutely well even from the get-go they don't play around right and i think it's interesting because that's probably something that'll age the console too you'll hop into that game 10 years from now and it'll be like yeah duh of course all this stuff works but right now that stuff is wild that yeah. game just basically showed you what dual sense is supposed to be able to do well i think i well, think that, that was, the, was the yeah, yeah that was the idea going yeah. in and then they're like but what if we made an immaculate platform of field what if of we also made a fun love. game yeah once of it's an awesome game too so i i really like that and it's free it comes pre-installed mm-hmm. and uh, i don't know if you've noticed this but download speeds are much better this gen as well way better we way better we, that's true on we started xbox down- too yeah we started downloading assassin's creed valhalla and miles morales and by the time we had finished one astro's playroom level like the whole the whole stage like all four yeah. parts 
both of those were downloaded and were like oh, yeah i guess uh yeah i guess we'll kind of put this away for the night so that well, was it's, crazy it's, too. it's it's very uh exciting to see the internet that we pay for actually get used to its full potential right it was exciting to see the tv i bought two years ago that's 4k hdr this is the first yeah, time i've ever yeah. played a game in 4k or with hdr i've never it's seen pretty a game intense before. On a quick note on Astro's Playroom before we before we touch on it, I think it's important to note how much better it is as a tech demo than um, the I can't remember what it's called the actual title of the game, but there was was it like Welcome Park or something? No, 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 no. Um, they so Astro has been in three games, um, one of which was Playroom, one of which was uh, Rescue Mission, which was a VR game that's also very good, by the way. Um, and then he was in a he was in a tech demo for the PlayStation Four when it first came out um, to show off DualSense or DualShock Four, and it was nowhere near as accessible or well designed because it required you to have a PlayStation Four camera, and nah. it was it, yeah I mean that was that was the issue right it was it was frustrating but yeah I mean Playroom was Playroom is a great tech demo it's clearly made with passion and love and I was having a great time with it right up until it absolutely crashed my playstation like oh, really crashed it it was it was intense it was especially interesting because it was clearly the game that was chugging along having some issue um i don't remember what triggered it specifically but it it hit slow down and then it stopped and it was clearly the game because the system was fine and the controller was still working but when uh for those who haven't played it yet when you're playing playroom um You'll notice things like the controller makes noises um, as you're walking around on different surfaces. It sounds different. The triggers feel a little bit different. Um, and when I was experiencing the slowdown before it stopped, the controller was still doing that, but it was doing it slower. So it was clearly on the game's end and not the console's end. Uh, but it lost all my save data, so I have to start that over. Uh <laughs> That sucks. We, we haven't. We, we didn't have any. We haven't had a single problem with the with the system yet, which yeah, I, I mean, think is honestly, I don't. Rare. No, well, I and and honestly, it was not something that I was particularly concerned about. I mean, they're they're, it's brand new hardware. It's brand new software. They're still figuring things out. We're in an age where they update games constantly. It would not surprise me if that game got an update. Probably just one, but even so. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to playing through it again. That I just thought it was important to note that it happened. Yeah. Two things. Firstly, I cannot believe this controller does what Sony said it was going to do. It is very impressive. At least in Astro, it's like, oh, it, it does. You can feel the difference yeah. walking on grass I and wonder, sand. I just wonder. Like... I wonder how often it's going to be utilized, though. Right outside outside of AAA development. When we talk about some of the other games we've played, I've experienced it. I'll, I'll note that yeah. when we go along. Um, secondly, uh, Astros is about four to five hours long, which is, is pretty lengthy since it's a free game. And out of everything I've played, I would put it up there near the top of like must-play next-gen exclusive games for Sony. I can't believe how well that it turned out. Yeah, it was great. It was such a fun time. And I loved being like... Because Alex and I would switch off on levels it would be like oh i think he played he played the i played the ice the cooling springs one yeah cooling, he, whatever yeah and i played the playstation 2 one where you're the glider yeah and i played the uh jungle one and the uh like rolling fields mm. one i don't remember what it was called yeah where you're a ball yeah 
And I I would love when Alex is playing, I just go and turn around and check check over there. And it's like, oh yeah, there's a clearly an artifact or something there. So we've also played Spider-Man Miles Morales uh, a bit. We probably played three or four hours on the PS5. Though I beat the game and am one trophy away from platinum it on my PS4. But that's just because I wanted to experience it there so I could compare it to now. Yeah, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on how it runs on both. So non-spoiler on on the game. Um, On PS4, uh, I believe it runs... I have a base PS4. I don't have a Pro. I don't know how it runs on the Pro differently. But on the PS4 base, I think it ran 1080 at 30. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's still a gorgeous game. It's it's a beautiful game. It plays great. It's fluid. I mean, if, if you haven't you know played it on the PS5, you wouldn't think, oh, this is sluggish or uh, kind of ugly. You would be like, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful game that runs great. If you have a PS4 and you're not going to get a PS5, I suggest picking it up and playing it there you're not gonna have a problem you should you should play it just because it's a good game no it's a it's a great game i think it's better than spider-man 2018 i'm not sure i agree with that but i'm also not as far into the game as you are i don't i don't know if i could uh talk about it too much without spoiling both of them so. I'm, 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 well, honestly, I was, I was amazed. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, I, I, I became a Spider-Man guy partly because of this game, um, or because of, uh, Insomniac Spider-Man. Um, and it does not surprise me that it got a sequel. It was well warranted. It was deserved. Um, 2018 Spider-Man was so good. It was, it was, it was game design at its peak. Um, say what you will about the overall, kind of uh you know story and 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 how it looks and how it plays no matter what your opinions on that even though in my opinion they are all very good aspects no matter what your opinion on that the way that it's designed the way the combat is designed the way that the uh movement is designed the way the city's designed it's all so brilliant i mean it's so well put together and for me so far miles morales is just more of that and i'm okay with that yeah, yeah, I I think uh, that there's some bloat maybe that uh, Miles Morales doesn't have that Spider Man might have had. That's fair. I mean, it's not bad bloat. It's just like side activities that don't really mean much to it's, the overall it's, game. It's very yeah. If you're if you're trying to yeah. if you're 100 percenting that game, which I did and I'm sure you did as well. Mm. Um, yeah. It's there's a lot to do, and if you really want to go super completionist on it, and you try to get all of the. Uh, all of the 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 what are they called tokens or whatever well not no i mean i got all the tokens i'm talking about the mm-hmm. the the little the mini skills where you have to do certain activities a certain number of times i can't remember what they call them but you have to run up walls a certain amount and you would, if you wanted to do that it would take you tens of hours although like feats or challenges or feats, something yeah something that like was that. i think yeah. they called them feats yeah but those are just experience bonuses they don't actually matter but if you really wanted to complete that, that was just... Yeah, on, on the Nerds at Oz, the patented Nerds at Oz review scale... It's not patented. Uh, I knew you were going to say give, that. <laughs> I would give 2018 an excellent, which is the top rating. And I would also give, My, I would also give Miles an excellent. They're, they're both amazing. And I was worried that this was going to be like a throwaway, play it if you like Miles Morales game. But I'm happy to see Insomniac made it like 
another step of the story. You should play this if you want more of the Insomniac yeah. Spider-Man. You absolutely. Universe. Well, honestly, the the I regardless of where you stand on Spider-Man as a character, I think you should play it just to experience it. I mean, it's a it's an excellent game. It really is. Now, onto how it runs on PS5 versus PS4. You have your two versions on PS5, 4K, 30 with ray tracing, or 1080 at 60. Which did you go for? Uh, 4K at 30. That was an intentional choice, though. I went with 4K at 30 to begin with, but then I changed the 1080-60. Because uh, I was playing God of War PS4 on the PS5, just to see how it felt, right? Mm-hmm. and i was i was switching between the 4k mode and the 60 frames mode and i was like oh 60 frames is so much better i was playing at 60 frames and then i tried to go back and i was like why isn't he moving as fast as i was moving earlier mm-hmm. and i was like mm-hmm. it's it's something once you play it you can't really go back and i was like i, I want spider-man to be more fluid so I think there's a general mindset now as, um, among among general technical consumers that that uh, I think we're getting to the point where they realize that higher frame rates are generally more appealing than higher graphical fidelity. Like you use if you if you use if you use a, a, an iPad Pro and then you go to any other tablet, you're like, why is this so jittery? It's running normally, I don't understand, but you use a, a screen with 90 frames per second, 120 frames per second, it's just, it feels more natural than anything else, and the same goes for gaming. I have to give a shout out though, the ray tracing in Spider-Man is It's really good, gorgeous. yeah, it's impressive. And I don't, I don't know if they could pull it off at 1080, 60, I doubt they could, because they didn't add it as a mode, but. I don't know what that means. You you see reflections in yeah, things it's, it's, accurately. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Interesting. Yeah. Courtney's having a great time in this very technical talk about this PlayStation. Yeah. I'm like, uh-huh. I like Assassin's it, it's, it's Creed. The... Can we go back to talking about Assassin's Creed, please? Yeah, we'll get to we'll get to Assassin's Creed next. That could be your moment to shine. Uh, real quick to end Spider Man. It it looks amazing. It runs better. It's still a great game. Just I mean that it. doesn't make Just it. Just play it. Yeah. Uh, and it uses the controller slightly. I mean, you can feel kind of when you're swinging up or swinging down. And you don't have to push the triggers in to swing. You just have to, like, lightly tap them, mm-hmm. and you'll swing. You don't have to push them all the way in. I mean, the GameCube had that, you know, 15 years <laughs> ago, but, you know. So, I mean, it, it does take some advantage of the DualSense controller, but it's an excellent game. You should check that out uh, along with Astros. And now into Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the one Courtney's playing. Courtney Courtney's about, talk for a bit. Courtney's about 15 hours into this. Courtney, tell us about your experience on PS4 versus PS5, and then talk about the game song. So, when playing on the PlayStation 4 on Assassin's Creed, uh, I noticed some, like, graphical things, you know, some, like, odd things. And, of course, it took the forever loading times of Assassin's Creed, um, which I'm used to. It took minutes. It took minutes yeah, to surprised. load this game I'm not surprised. on PS4. But it, it gives you time to read the little tips. Those are always fun. But when I got uh, on the PlayStation 5, I realized that some of those glitches, are, I think, are just in the game. Yeah, the game The game is kind of buggy. The game's a little buggy. Again. And it doesn't have, like... Like, the draw distance is, like, you'll just, tr- you'll just see trees pop in every once in a while. And you're like, well, that's odd. There's... 
like I said in the the latest episode, which hasn't really come out yet for free, but when this episode releases, the free episode for Thanksgiving should come out tomorrow. Okay. Anywho, uh, like when you're you're trying to move a thing in the game and you grab hold of it, sometimes your character like steps into it a little bit and then steps out of it. It's really weird. And I noticed that with both versions. So it's definitely a, the game. Yeah, it's Ubisoft's fault for, yes. some, for a lot of these. But playing from 4 to 5, the graphics, just like, ha- it looks way better. Do you want me to, to explain the... Fine. On PS4, it runs 1080 30. Mm-hmm. On PS5, it runs dynamic 4K 60. So it, it it stays at sixty and it drops the resolution as I was going to ask if it prioritized frame rate or uh, yeah yeah it hold and this is something we'll talk a little later in the questions I have listened up because there's drastic differences between the X and the PS5 when it comes to this game, mm-hmm. which I hope doesn't mean anything for the future. But yeah, that's what it does. Also, the loading times they're barely there. Yeah, it went from minutes to 10 15 seconds. Yeah, so. it was it was great. Yeah. I, I I went to like wait and I put down the controller to like grab something to drink and I'm like, "Oh, it's back." Oh. Cool. Get into it. The most interesting loading screen thing that I've seen um is actually from uh I can't remember which Twitter user I saw it from. Anyway, um, it was a, a it was a, a loading demo of the Xbox 360 game Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, which is everyone's favorite game in that franchise. It was it was a demo that basically just showed that it just didn't load. Like it started the loading animation and then immediately just jumped to the game. And it's exciting for me to see that that older software is running so much faster on this newer hardware the same was for a uh, sonic unleashed apparently the xbox series x is the first system that's actually run sonic unleashed like it's supposed to be run <laughs> it's been so long since i've played the original you gave me sonic unleashed which is not the same it's game. the same game it's Jamie. not you're telling me the wii doesn't run this game properly it can't run it at xbox series x levels the wii come on but it is crazy to see these old games try to start a loading screen and then they're just getting cut off. It's like, oh, time to load. Nope. You see that on on uh, on PC hardware all the time, right? Like you run, you know, 90s software on an emulator on a current machine and the game just doesn't know what to do because the hardware is so much faster than what it was designed to run on that it just struggles to know how to handle itself in the first place and that's amusing to me anyway but you know real quick i'm going to say something about the graphics of assassin's creed and then you can talk about the gameplay the hdr for assassin's creed Mm -hmm. makes it look so much better because it's the first game i've seen in hdr that like is noticeably better and i honestly think hdr is more important than 4k it makes the game look better, I think, than 4K does. I think I think that I think that mark the 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 marketing behind 4K when 4K first became a thing a couple of years back was what put it in people's kind of uh, the forefront of people's minds. Um, because if we're being real, you know, uppity about it, there's I I would pretty much rather have a a a more dynamic visual uh, range with higher frame rate at like 1440p mm. than i would have base image graphic quality at 4k just straight up i think it it's more appealing in every capacity and the the appeal of 4k 
won't really be fully utilized or realized until it has all those other aspects with it, which is going to take a while because running monitors at 120 hertz at 4K is hard. It's a lot of power that requires it until they optimize it to the nth degree. It's going to be hard for everybody for it to be really consumable. The the thing that was most interesting to me about the, you know, the consoles coming out and being like, yeah, we can run 120 uh, 120 frames per second at 4K. It's like, all right, how many televisions have both 120 hertz refresh rates and also 4K compatibility? I think the answer is like two. I mean, they don't, they just don't as a general rule have those capabilities. And it's funny to see on the boxes it says 8K on there too. It's like, I, I don't know if I've seen an 8K TV. They exist, but they're certainly not in the consumer marketplace at this point. So, Courtney... What about the gameplay of Assassin's Creed Valhalla? How do you enjoy playing the game? I would like I to really, hear your thoughts on this. I love playing it. It's so great. Um, for for the people that have uh, listened to this podcast before, I have started doing what I did in the other Assassin's Creed game, and that is romance all the way, no matter yeah. who it is. Yeah. And like on the Star Island, not the Star Island, but like the island where your village is on, there there's only like one person that you could romance kind of and i immediately was just like yes by by the by the island your village is on do you mean the country of norway you know <laughs> i don't need to say yes <laughs> so so romancing your way through i England. romance my way i'm romancing my way through norway currently but i've gone to england haven't met any romance options yet looking out for it but it's I really like the like the mysteries and stuff. I wish they would show up as side quests because they don't you just kind of like happen upon them and then you make a decision and you kind of have to do something like there was one where this guy had probably eaten some mushrooms he shouldn't have and was very sick, but also very high and was walking around and wanted to fight all the guards and I had to protect him. But it wasn't like, oh, follow this man. It was just like, all right, you could follow him or you could just let him wander off, I guess. And never find him, his body. So the combat has changed from Odyssey uh, kind of yes. significantly. Do How do you feel about that? Did you like Odyssey's or Valhalla's well, more? Well, uh, apparently, uh, according to somebody that I talked to at work, mm. Valhalla has sort of more of the same fighting style as origins was made by the same people yes and i liked the fighting in odyssey better personally like you could do like a dodge roll and then like get behind somebody and then stab them and i like that a lot and i'm not used to this sort of like bloodborne yeah it's kind of dark souls dark souls like parry and then kill like i'm not used to it yet uh, I'm working on it. Mm. I'm not used to it yet. And without spoilers, do you think the story is better than Odyssey so far? How do you feel about that? I really like Greek mythology, mm. but I also really like Norse mythology. Like, I, I follow both fairly well, uh, ex- except, like, every single person's name is, like, Thorson or, like, something along those lines. And, uh, I, I like it about the same i think i I find both interesting i didn't like in odyssey how there really wasn't any like 
gods or anything mm. show up. They kind of, like, talk about them a little bit. But uh, in Norse, in, in Valhalla, they, they bring it up more, you know? I've only, I'm, I'm, the problem with me is that I'm, like, 14, 15 hours into the game, but I try to do everything in an yeah. area that I'm in. Yeah. And then move on, so I'll be yeah. like super over leveled or something. Yeah, she didn't get the splash screen that said Assassin's Creed Valhalla until twelve hours into the <laughs> game. So That's I was funny. like, I was going around trying to get all the stuff, and I'm like, oh, a mystery! Oh, this is fun. <laughs> Help some dude throw things off a cliff. It was a, it was a time. Yeah. So, anything else you want to say about that before we move on to the next one? I highly rec- recommend it. Uh, the graphical things. Hopefully, they'll fix it in update. So next, uh, real quick, I've played God of War, Bloodborne, those two. We played some Overcooked, All You Can Eat, which yes. Jamie wanted us to buy so we could all play together. I cannot wait to play that with y'all. I, I hope she wait. yells. I hope she yells at you as much as she yells at me in this kitchen so uh, I can get some heat off me. He's just incompetent. She literally texted me the other day. She was like, I yell at, I'm trying so hard not to yell at Alex when we play this game. <laughs> And I was like, like, yeah, good luck with that. I'm like, just just cut things up and, and, and throw them to me. And he's like, okay, what do you want me to cut up? I'm like, there's a screen that shows you all the things <laughs> I need. But, so, so all you can eat is pretty cool. It's one, two, all the DLC and some additional levels. It's also, I think, in 4K and the frame rate's yeah. higher. And it takes advantage of some of the DualSense stuff as well. So it's a pretty cool package. I'm, wa- I'm yeah. waiting on mine to show up. I've, I ordered the physical copy because mm. I have a thing about physical copies, which I'm sure we'll touch on at some point. But I anyway, also like physical copies. Do not buy digital copies. The last game I've played, and then we can talk to Jamie about what you've played that we didn't cover, is Bug Snacks. Bug Snacks! You playing Bug Snacks? I have not played Bug Snacks it's, yet. It's it's free with PS Plus. I know. I actually just downloaded it today. This game is somehow a banger. I don't know where this, why it's, it's so good. It's so I, good. I don't like that it like it. I don't like the game itself. Like I don't want to like play the game, but I love watching Alex play it. The story is just like what? What's going on? And it looks like a kids game. It really does. But then they're like, oh, your wife left you and you're just sad and alone. And I'm like, this is not a kid's game. Yeah. What is okay, this? So tell me about the game, though. I'm going to say Pokemon. If there was no battling, but catching the Pokemon was much more involved. Uh, okay, so you mean let's go. So what you do is there's like eight or ten different biomes in the game. And there's a story that will get you to catch some of the bug snacks, but there's a hundred different bug snacks in the entire game, and you're probably going to have to catch over half of them on your own in free roam. And what you do is you walk around these biomes, and you see one, and you take a picture of it, and when you take a picture of it, it will give you a little blurb about the bug snack. And then Mm -hmm. you have to figure out how to catch it. And you have a bunch of different tools at your disposal to lay traps for it or to bait stuff. And it's like a puzzle game. You have to figure out how to catch each one of these bug snacks. So that's what I mean by a more in-depth catching of Pokemon. It's like if you were trying to catch Bulbasaur and then you had to figure out its, its pattern of walking this area, what it likes to eat, how... Like what you can fit it in a net, a cage. The, the game will tell you most of these things. It'll be like, oh, it loves hot sauce, but it hates chocolate or something. 
It does that. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it gives hates you... chocolate. I don't want it. <laughs> but yeah, I and I really enjoy it. The story is somehow compelling. Looking at the trailers, I didn't think that was going to be the case, but it's pretty Yeah, compelling. the trailers did not appeal to me in any capacity. There are strange people. The, the, the grumpuses yeah, or whatever. Yeah, they're called grumpuses. The zaniness of the trailers is there, but it is so engaging and catching the bug snacks is fun. And it uses the dual sense in cool ways. Like, you can feel your character running on each side, and the adaptive triggers kind of change depending on what tool you're using. So, I really enjoy it. Assassin's Creed does not take advantage of the, the dual sense at all. Well, this, at all. This, was, this was my question, right, when we're talking about the dual sense, because it's really cool, the tech they put into this controller. It's really cool. Although, I really do not like how large the controller is. I don't know if y'all noticed a difference. It's bigger than the dual shock, mm. and it feels bigger than the dual shock. Yeah. It's definitely heavy. I have decent-sized hands, so it's not really a problem for me, but I know people who are not going to be able to hold that thing. It's just not going to work. But yeah, I mean, that was my question, right? They implemented all this interesting technology into the into the DualSense, and I question how much it's going to end up being used, especially by smaller developers, because it's a lot. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, I don't know about smaller developers. I mean, I would consider Bugsnax probably a smaller developer, and they use it pretty well. Uh, I, I think Assassin's Creed is trying to make their game on, like, a thousand different platforms, and they just want to get the game out, so they're not going to focus on the dual sense. It'd be, it'd be interesting That's a good to see sign. what Horizon's going to do, if but they do anything with it. Call of Duty. I have Call of Duty. Are you playing it on Xbox or PlayStation? I, I'm playing it on PlayStation. I haven't played it yet, though. I'm, I'm, every time I look at it, I'm like, it requires 285 yeah. gigs of storage. And I'm like, ah, ah, ah. Oh, yo, real quick, real quick, before we go into this, I gotta go on a small tangent, because we talked about the, the design of the PlayStation 5, but I didn't touch on the point that I really, really, really needed to touch on. The disc, because I know you have the 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 digital version of the PlayStation no. 5. No, we, we have the um, disc one. No? We have the disc you have one. the disc one? Oh, okay, yeah. pardon me. I'm, I um, made him buy it. The Good, good for you. The disc reader on the PlayStation 5 is backwards. And it makes me mad. <laughs> what, what do you mean by backwards? It's very frustrating. When you take a console, right, any console mm. ever made, and you put a disc into it, does the disc face the outer edge of the console or the meat of the console? It faces the meat. The fact that y'all have any hesitation at all is kind of disturbing. I, I haven't put a disc in I, a console. I play Nintendo consoles. Oh my lord. When you put when you put a PlayStation 2 disc in a PlayStation 2, it faces the middle of the console. Mm. When you put a, a disc in a PlayStation 3, it faces the middle of the console. In a Dreamcast, it faces the middle of the console. In an Xbox, the middle of the console. Over and over and over. And in the PlayStation 5, it faces the outer edge. And that makes me frustrated. <laughs> it's backwards. I bet it has something to do with weight distribution if it's on its uh, side. I kind of don't care. I'm just trying to complain and spread the information that, that it's backwards. And when you put your disc in the way you think you should put it in, it's not going to be the way that the console wants to read it. I thought you were about to tell me you had to put the disc in, like, picture side down for some reason to put it in this console. And I was like, I, no, I can believe, uh, I believe Sony would do that. It's very frustrating. I put, because I, I put Miles Morales in the first time I was booting it up and nothing happened. And I was very confused. And I put in a another disc, and it was like, I can't read this. And I'm like, this is going to be a problem. 
my console is not reading my games i'm gonna be very mad and then i looked it up and i was like all right so it's just doing things incorrectly got it okay glad i'm not dumb anyway yeah call of duty i haven't played it yet because it's a giant install and it intimidates me so apparently though every gun will feel different in call of duty on the ps5 when you shoot it i'm kind of down for that so activision is doing it like that so i'm assuming it's gonna be you somewhat i don't think you're ever gonna see a game used as much as astro i doubt horizon will use it as much as astro though like i really wanted to like for assassin's creed i wanted to like maybe fill the bowstring you know when you're pulling back Mm -hmm. but that didn't have that and i was hope i I hope horizon will have that because i'm all about the bow and horizon i think i think horizon will have that i doubt any game uh it's gonna have it as in-depth it's like oh i'm walking in grass i'm walking in sand i don't i don't think i could i could see some games Mm. like maybe trying to take advantage of that very very few will be as in-depth but if if the controller is used as much as it's used in like bug snacks or spider-man where you can tail it's a leap forward than than dual shock but it's not like mind-blowing i think i'll be fine with that what have you been playing on the playstation 5 Pretty much Miles Morales, honestly. <laughs> I really like Spider-Man. Um, yeah, uh, I, 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 the PlayStation Five. I played, uh, I played Playroom, and I played Miles Morales, and I played Melody of Memory, and that was what I had time to test before we recorded this episode. Um, and pretty much what I've said about everything holds true. I mean, the load times are fantastic, and Miles Morales is a fantastic game, and Playroom was way better than it had any right to be. But I'm kind of not surprised because the game that came before it in the Astro franchise was better than it had any right to be. So I don't know. I'm kind of down for it. I'm looking forward to see what comes out next. Honestly, there's there's this great little trophy in uh in the Playroom where you have to like get twenty of those little robot people to follow mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. and the way you do that is you hit them, and <laughs> and then they start following you. They're like, oh yes, sir. And, and if you you awesome. check our our Twitter, the Nerds at Odds Twitter, we put a picture of just like us surrounded by a bunch of those little people. Because I literally went up to all the people and was just like, "Smack, come with me." Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I'm down for that, man. I'm 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 very excited about the potential that this generation has. I think this generation of hardware is going to be the most important that we've had, uh, probably since uh the the not last generation but the generation before that i think with the implementation of online capabilities i think this one is gonna is gonna be very influential uh in the years to come as as how we progress forward as a as a gaming community i think they're gonna be very important yeah i think this is a much bigger leap forward than people were initially expecting i think the implications of this generation are much larger than people were expecting um for sure so we're kind of getting into, I have a list of questions that I wanted to ask, and we're kind of getting into the first one, so we're going to move on into that. What do you think these consoles mean to the future of gaming? Fitting that we were just mentioning this. Um, I, I think that I think that this generation, especially since, especially since both companies put forward a digital-only version out the gate, um, are are showing further that that digital content is just the way of the future, um, which I don't like it. I do. I don't like it either. Although I think we dislike it for different reasons. Um, my my reasoning for not liking it is that like at some point they're gonna stop supporting 
like a digital store on an older system and then you just lose everything you know yep yep that's that's not cool game game preservation is a very 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 important thing and it's unfortunately a topic that we as a community of 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 people as as gamers kind of skip over because when when a developer or a publisher decides that they don't want their game on a, a storefront anymore or if a storefront goes down or even if it's on a person's console they can just update it to lock the game they did that with pt um those games are just gone hard stop um and physical editions mitigate that to a pretty substantial degree not to it you know not as far as they can of course but that's one of the reasons that physical editions are so important there there are there are groups of people who are working really 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 hard right now to kind of spread the word on this and to do good with it um the video game history foundation um which y'all if y'all are not familiar with you should look into um they are a group of people who are dedicated to uh taking care of video games um in the grand scheme of of mankind's history i mean they 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 do so much as they back up you know files from games they they take marketing materials and preserve them um they take uh news articles from 30 years ago and preserve them it's it's a wonderful organization that you should 100 percent support as much as you can um they're great people and uh companies like limited run games while they are doing a you know they're a marketplace they're selling it's a retail product um, they're doing the same kind of function. They're taking a game that would not otherwise have a physical launch and providing it that, and also doing it in such a way that more people are interested in getting it because it's a collector's item. I think I think that that's one of the biggest things to note with this current generation of consoles is that it, it marks a, a shift, a very intentional, mindful shift by corporations towards a digital-only future. I don't think that physical editions are ever going to go away, but I do think that in a decade they are going to be a a, a specialty outlet, uh, in the same way that like vinyls are right now, because vinyls made a comeback, and it's for like the people who are retro, but also the people who care about that particular sound of music, because um, vinyls sound different than CDs or digital; they just do. Um, I think that's the same kind of effect that physical editions are going to have with games. Um, and I think this generation of consoles shows that that's one of the things that, that it's just the way the industry is going and we have to accept it and do what we can to preserve what we can. Yeah. And you've seen it, like we've seen it starting to go that way. And with that, you see the decline of GameStop essentially, because they're, it's like, well, why would I go to GameStop to buy a game when I can just buy it digitally? Why would I go to GameStop to get a console when I can just get it on Amazon? I mean, it's already like yeah. that with movies. Yeah, well, I mean... Oh, for sure. Know. For sure. Yeah. I mean, if you could stream games better... Like, streaming movies is pretty accessible. Streaming games is not that accessible yet to most people. Not yet, no. But it once, will eventually. Once, yeah, once that hits, then... Well, and frankly, like, that's that's one of the things that Microsoft is doing so well right now with Game Pass. Um, is they figured out a way to basically take a streaming model and make it so that it works as if you owned the game, right? So so it, they're, they're operating differently from uh, something like Stadia, where they're streaming directly to you, 
Which, by the way, can we just have a quick laugh at Stadia? Because, my God, I've never seen such a disastrous launch. And they're trying so hard because they sunk so much money into it. Um, you think you think but, Amazon's game... thing's gonna do anything different than Stadia? I think, it, I think it I think it has the potential to, but again, it's it's a question of infrastructure, right? You've got to I mean you're you're looking at you're looking at Stadia, which is a, a game console console in big quotes, um, being developed by the largest company in the world. Even they can't make it work. Now mind you, they're not as gaming oriented as even Amazon is. But but the the fact remains that if we're trying to stream these ridiculously intensive games, which we are, the infrastructure has to be way stronger than any company can realistically do at this point. I think that's going to remain true for Amazon. My only kind of question is, Amazon, I think, is generally more... Um, uh, I think they're I think they're they have the uh, kind of reach into people's lives that Google doesn't quite have because I mean you look at you look at what Google controls in people's lives and what Amazon controls in people's lives and even though Google is a much larger company not even that much larger honestly but a, a larger company it's not really comparable because yes they both have you know smart assistants for example but Amazon has the largest marketplace in the world, so that means they control groceries. Recently, they got their hands on pharmacy stuff. They're launching a pharmacy line. They're getting control of retail spaces. They have all of these things, and if people are already invested in that ecosystem, them having their hands on a less-than-amazing game thing that they basically don't have to pay for is going to be a big old check mark for them. So it's got potential. I just don't know if it's going to be worth, you know, actually doing. So our, our next question is, assuming that a person has the means to purchase an next-gen console and can find one, do we all think that they should go ahead and purchase one now? Do you think it's something they should invest in? I think maybe wait till, like, the... Like, if, if you already have, like, a PlayStation 4 or maybe, like, an Xbox One maybe wait until like the exclusive games maybe start coming out a bit more because you can play you can play miles morales on mm-hmm. playstation 4 you can th- th- you can play all the games on xbox <laughs> except for the playstation games but maybe once like horizon comes horizon's out, a ps4 game too it well never mind maybe when something especially comes out it's 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 but Again, again, this console generation is going to be different, right? It's not going to be... I mean, every console generation, the first year, they're still making stuff for the old console. That's always how it goes. But this this generation looks like it's going to end up being a little bit different, especially on the Xbox side of things, because they've come out and said they're going to support the Xbox One for the foreseeable future, and that's a pretty significant thing. But I think, I think the question itself is hard to answer anyway. Um... I'm pretty biased when it comes to that because when new console hardware comes out, I'm all excited about that because I'm interested in how it affects the gaming landscape. Um, Most people don't give a crap about that. They just want to play the games they like. And if that's really all you want to do, if you just want to play the games you like, then no, there's not a reason. I think think the opposite, actually. I think if you want to play the games you like and you can buy one, you should. You're going to have a better experience. It's going to make your life better. If, if you play games. The the problem for me, which, like, you're you're very much, like, how the game kind of looks, like, the graphics, how that sort of thing. 
Like you can't play older games that well because you you look at it and you're like, this looks like trash. But I it doesn't bother me. I don't know what it is. My brain is just like, ah, I can deal with it. It's fine. I think the SSD might be the biggest selling point. I mean, you're going to save so much time without having to wait for loads. It's going to improve your experience. But that's when you go, you take a, a snack break. It's great. <laughs> I think I think there are a lot of factors to consider when purchasing, especially when you're dropping, you know, $540 on a piece of hardware like this. There are a lot of factors to consider. And if your only concern is playing new games that you like, then there is not yet a reason to purchase the consoles. That being said, I still think it's not a bad purchase decision if for no other reason than it gives you future proof. It, it gives you a look into where things are headed. Um, and there's a lot to be said for that, even from a consumer level. I've heard that like somewhat with this launch, you know, it's sort of, maybe gone the way of like the switch launch of just like you can't really get one super easily yeah certainly certainly don't try to kill yourself to get one of I these mean, consoles right now there's there's unless you're insane like me i mean I there's may, not I've waited maybe like half a year a whole year to get my switch and you know it's fine this is the first console i've got on launch i think i got the ps4 a couple months after it came out we were talking about kind of future-proofing. I think this might go along with that. And we talked about this earlier, and I think we all came to the same conclusion. What is more important, that the console hit 4K or 60? And I think we all agree that 60 frames per second is more important. Yes. And this is something I alluded to earlier when talking about Valhalla. Is it a problem when one of these next-gen consoles can't do either? Probably. My gut reaction is no. It's not necessarily a problem. But again, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about games as a whole as opposed to games on an individual level. There are games that run at 30 FPS that are fine at 30 FPS. You really do not need more than that. But there are games that when you drop below that 60 mark, there starts to be issues, actual playing issues. Yeah, and I don't know if there's how much of a fortune-telling situation this is, but I was watching a Digital Foundry video today. They, they're like a a tech YouTube channel. They really dive into the tech of consoles and PC stuff and see how things run on them. And they were comparing Valhalla on the Series X and the PS5. And I hope this isn't telling for the future, but the Series X was hitting low 40s trying to run the game at 1440 because it, it won't let... The dynamic 4K won't let you go any lower than that while the PS5 was doing 60. So I hope that's not a thing in the future but it was a little concerning watching it stutter like that i would not necessarily again we're going back to this whole the xbox is running this generation differently than the playstation and that's intentional and it's something we need to keep in mind like we like we said the xbox series not just the series x and the series s but the xbox one x and the xbox one s and the original model xbox one are all going to be supported for a little while right now so they designed this new hardware with that in mind. Now, it's also important to note that, as previously mentioned also, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is coming out for everything. It's not optimized to run on any one platform. So take what you see with a grain of salt. It's still too early to know that kind of thing. I don't think it's something we should dismiss outright necessarily, but 
it is important to understand that what we're expecting to happen with games in the future is still coming and up in the year. And real quick, uh, we talked about uh, buying a new console, and I know neither one of us own a Series S, but do you think it's something someone should get as their main console? Okay. We're going to get into <laughs> philosophy real quick. I only took one philosophy I I have... Only one. I mean, yeah, me too, but we're we're talking about games, which is my bread and butter. So, so I have a, I have a philosophy when it comes to to art generally, but especially games. More games for more people is better. Period. So, that means when I assess the business decisions of a company, I I take that philosophy into account. For something like game pass that xbox has i don't like that model personally i do not like that model because it is detrimental to preserving video games as a whole that being said it presents more games to more people at a more accessible level so therefore i think xbox game pass is a good thing the series s and playstation 5 digital edition theoretically fulfill that same philosophy as well more games for more people because it's at a cheaper price point that said i don't actually think that they're a good purchase as a main console because you cannot run previous versions of your games physically that you have if you have any at all on those systems and the investment is not that much it's not a, a significant enough jump, especially on the PlayStation side. There's an argument to be made on the Xbox side because it's $200 cheaper on the Xbox side. Um, but especially on the PlayStation side, it is not as dramatic as uh, of a savings as I think would be required to justify having that as a main console. I recognize that the majority of people run all of their stuff digitally, and that's fine. But I don't think that it's a good idea to have that as a main console, was, generally was... speaking. I get the argument for it being digital, but I was speaking more so that yes, you can get in at two ninety nine for the Series S, but from all the restrictions that it seems like it's going to have going forward, I feel like if you buy a Series S as your only console, you will have to buy another console before this generation is up to play uh, AAA games that are third party at an acceptable level. Hard to say yet. We're going to have to see where the industry goes. Um, I think that's a pretty bold prediction. I think that um, the Series S is going to be probably almost as, probably not quite, but almost as popular as the Series. It depends X. on how. Um, and I, think I don't it, think, I don't think Microsoft's going to ignore they make. that. I don't think Xbox and Sony are going to make a bunch of these digital consoles, like when it compared to the disc ones. So the last question uh, I have, and this gets away from PlayStation and Xbox, we're going to thank. I don't know. Uh, conspiracy brain. Turn your conspiracy brains on. Uh-huh. Okay, I don't know if conspiracy is the right word, but turn them on. What is Nintendo going to do uh, for their for next it. gen? Nintendo doesn't have to do anything. They can continue on the, 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 the path they're on and do perfectly fine because they tickle all the parts that uh, Sony and Microsoft don't. Well, they're going to release a new console. In the coming yes, years, at some it, point, it's gonna look basically like the Switch. Are you saying they're just gonna release the Switch again? Yes. 
I think I think I think that I think that at least in the foreseeable future, the most likely thing that they're gonna do is they're gonna do some kind of hardware redesign on the Switch to make it uh, more powerful, more battery efficient. I don't know how dramatically they're going to change the design, but the Switch has been their most successful console in years, and they're not they're not anywhere near abandoning it at this point. I, I would not I would not imagine that they're gonna do another major console release for at least four, maybe five years. Hard stop. I would expect that sometime within the next two years we get a, a hardware revision. Do you think it'll be a, a revision or do you think it'll be enough for them to be like, it's Switch 2? I there there is a chance that I could see them doing like in like changing it so it's just essentially a home console. Well, I had, I had that thought. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a hardware guy, software guy. I don't make these things. But I have an idea that Nintendo could keep the tablet part of the Switch that you have and maybe sell you a dock that has some sort of processing power in it as well. So when you plug it into your TV, it becomes more in line with what one of these next-gen things could be. I, no. the, I, I can't see them putting something in the dock that makes it stronger. The dock, yeah. So here's the issue: <laughs> the the switch, the switch, as brilliant of a console as it is, and it really is a brilliant console. Its its inherent limitations, they're 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 not going to accentuate. The, it wouldn't make sense from a marketing standpoint to be like, yeah, we made a dock by the dock, and it's gonna mm. improve the. Con-. They're not gonna do that. They don't. They already do that. The dock already makes it from changes it from 720p to 1080p. They're not gonna try to sell you. Do you know how expensive Switch docks are? It's it's offensive. They're eighty dollars. It's a piece of plastic with a single chip in it. It's ridiculous. I mean, genuinely, Switch accessories are already overpriced, but the dock especially is is absurdly expensive um and they're they're i don't i genuinely doubt that they sell enough of them for them to even consider trying to make that their selling point is a new dock i think it would make much more sense for them to take the switch and have the same general chassis but have a more efficient battery and a larger screen and a higher um innate resolution from the get-go and uh joy cons that don't suck that would be good too how many pairs of Joy-Cons now? I guess it depends Three. on how important you think third-party games are to Switch's continued success. Oh, I think you probably... I think you probably underestimate how successful they are. You, you... Here's the thing. Nintendo's big-hitting titles on the Switch are all first-party. That's not surprising, right? That's that's how Nintendo is. That's how it's been for every Nintendo console from the beginning of time. It's how it is. And that's fine. But you've got to understand that the Switch is so dang popular that every third-party developer and god wants to put their game on it. So even though the Switch versions are not necessarily selling billions and millions and millions and millions of copies, the fact that it has generated that much interest alone just from being what it is means that the third party support is there i don't think you could run uh assassin's creed valhalla or cyberpunk on the switch so that's what i mean like you're not gonna run black ops cold war on the switch 
No, not necessarily in the same ways, but you're also ignoring the fact that that's never stopped them in the past. Like, they put Call of Duty Black Ops on the Wii. They did. They put Modern Warfare on the DS. I mean, they'll find a friggin' way if they really Nintendo want Nintendo's smart to. in that they, they covet their first-party games so much that it's like no one else can can play these games on any other system because they have to come to Nintendo for it. They have to. Have you heard um, that Control and Hitman 3 are going to play on the Switch entirely in the cloud? I have not. That's interesting to hear. You can download Control on your Switch right now to play like the first five minutes to see if it runs on your internet. But it's like a couple megabytes and it's entirely cloud-based. That's very interesting, actually. Oh, that's very interesting. I don't know if that's going to be a workable mm. solution for most people, depending on the internet, but... No, but but think about think about you're talking about one of the most popular pieces of hardware ever made for gaming, made by a gaming company that they could use as a secondary streaming device. That's a very interesting proposition. I don't know how feasible it is, but it is it is interesting to consider. I think it's more likely than not that Xbox is probably going to end up putting Game Pass on the Switch, at least. There have been a lot of rumors flying around about that, for sure. If not, it pro approached Sony, too, about it, but I don't know if they would work that out. I don't know. It's it's. But again, but again, that's that's the thing about Microsoft that's so interesting, especially this generation, is we get to see how they're going to approach cross-platform compatibility and, and working with other large AAA developers and first-party developers and second-party developers and third-party developers. It's going to be so interesting. See, I mean, they bought Bethesda. That's such a huge thing. And then they had the audacity to come out and say that they were still going to release Bethesda games on other consoles. Can you imagine? They could literally check a box, right? Be like, now we have exclusive. But they chose not to. Because they realize that the appeal of their ecosystem is that everybody is welcome to it. That's so progressive. It's such an interesting thing. I'd, uh... I, have, I have to give them a lot of respect for that. Because if they brought Bethesda and they're like, Elder Scrolls 6 is an Xbox exclusive, I would have brought an Xbox as well with the ps5 exactly yeah. exactly well and it was and they microsoft has the advantage you know sony's got its own things right like it has playstation but it also makes televisions and refrigerators and i mean movies you know movies i mean they've, they've got everything they're not worried about going under as a company the playstation is just one of their pillars and the xbox is just the same for microsoft that's the thing that people don't get is you know they have microsoft has arguably a larger gaming division because they have such a shackle hold on the pc market as well i mean it's it's the, the xbox is just one part so seeing the xbox sell 50 million units less than the playstation people are immediately like all right well microsoft is just they're dumb and they don't know what they're doing because they don't have exclusives but that's not actually the case they're just playing the market in a different way they're playing the game differently and that's very interesting to watch for me so jamie do you want to give us your ps4 antidote real quick before we get to the outro of the show yeah, yeah. So I the the story of me getting my first PlayStation Four is an amusing one. I've actually I've got, I've gotten two. Actually, I'll tell both because both of them are entertaining stories. And the second one involves y'all. Um, so I'll tell them both. 
I, I wanted to get the PS4 when it came out. It was sold out everywhere, as is often the case when consoles first come out. I had an, uh, I had an in with a guy at GameStop who told me that they were going to have consoles to sell on launch night, which made me very excited. Now, I was young at the time. I, I believe I was taking Driver's Ed, actually, when the PlayStation 4 came out. Um, so I... Uh, I, I, I went to the class and I was I said, all right, I'm going to go to the store right afterwards and I'm going to stay there for six hours, seven hours, eight hours, however long it takes to get this console. So I did the class and I went to the store and I walked in and they were like, hey, how you doing? And I said, great, I'm you know here to get the PlayStation 4 tonight. They said, do you have a pre-order? And I said, no. And they said, oh, we, uh, we just sold our last one. And I said, y'all said you weren't going to sell them till midnight. And they were like, yeah, but we did. I was like, okay, cool. So I was very mad and didn't shop at GameStop for a while. By the way, don't shop at GameStop anyway. They are a terrible company. I worked for them for a little while. They're a terrible company. <laughs> Do not give them your money. Um, don't. Sorry if you don't get a sponsorship from GameStop after I say that. Four or five months pass. I get a call from my friend John. He says, hey, it's I'm hanging out at home. It's like five o'clock or something. He said, hey, uh, Walmart is going to have PlayStation 4s tomorrow morning. I said, oh, great, okay, uh, what do we need to do? Uh, do we need to, you know, show up early? Do we need to go, you know, a couple of minutes before they open? He said, no, we need to go now. I said, okay, then. So he and I and our friend Julian went to a Walmart at 8 o'clock at night and slept in it to get PlayStation. We slept in on the Walmart it was an experience. We didn't actually sleep that much. Um, John had a PlayStation Vita at the time. That was the first time I played the fourth Sly Cooper game. Man, I really wish that game was better, but uh, story for another time. So yeah, we slept in Walmart. And then the next morning, you know, we were the only ones there at that point. But a couple of people came in right before they opened or whatever to get in line with us. And uh, so we got them and we got our PS4s. And I almost didn't because I ran my credit card to get it and it said it was maxed out. I literally had to call my mother and be and who was on her way to church or something and 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 say, "Hey, um, I need you to come to Walmart right now because they're saying they won't hold this console that I just slept in this store to get for me, and I need to pay for it, please uh and she did, and I got it, and I still have that console, and I'm never getting rid of it because it's such an amusing story, and it's it's a piece of my life. And then the second story for uh, getting a PS4 is I, I got the PlayStation 4 Pro. Uh, when they announced that Kingdom Hearts 3 had a release date 12 years later, I was very excited about it, understandably. And uh, they announced that they were getting a limited edition PlayStation 4 Pro with it. And I was not planning on spending $400 to buy a system that I already owned. But uh, I did. So I, I pre-ordered it from GameStop because they were the only place that had it. Again, try to avoid that when I can, but I put in a thing for a PlayStation 4 pre-order, and a couple of weeks later, they called me and canceled it, because apparently GameStop had sold too many. Sony had only allocated them so many consoles, and they oversold it. Did I mention don't shop at GameStop? Anyway, um, so I was very upset uh, because I I really like Kingdom Hearts, and the Kingdom Hearts 3 PlayStation 4 Pro is still 
you know, two and a half times as valuable as a normal PlayStation 4 Pro. It's worth like a thousand bucks easy. I mean, it's wild. But I was I was very upset that I did not get this. And then I, I yelled about it a lot, actually. Because that? that's what I do when I'm passionate about something is I yell about it to everybody. But then, three months later, after the system had already theoretically released, I was actually hanging out with Courtney and Alex and a couple other people at their place. And my phone rang, and I picked it up, and it was GameStop. And they said, hey, uh, we have Kingdom Hearts 3 PlayStation 4 Pros. Do you want one? And I said, yes. And I remember talking to this lady and trying to sound like I wasn't losing my mind and snapping at Courtney and being like, get me a pen and paper. Get me a pen and paper. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and I had to write down their information and I ended up getting it. And it's sitting on my shelf. And guess what? Now both of them are just items of interest and not actual systems that I'm going to play on because uh, I have a PlayStation 5 now. But, you know, the the stories that are behind them were probably worth the $1,000 I spent on them, right? Probably? Yeah, okay, we're going to go with you. <laughs> Sounds good, sounds good. Someday they'll be in glass cases and you'll be like, look, look at my item. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in the process right now I'm, I'm of moving and um, I had to consider, I'm moving into a new space and I've, I've, I've had to consider how I'm going to set up because I have, I forgot how many, but I, no exaggeration, 25 or 30 consoles. Um, and I have to consider how I'm going to manage them in this new space that I'm moving to. And basically what I decided is I'm going to have a four console setup where I have the three current generation consoles, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and Nintendo Switch. And then I'm also going to have a space where I can just interchange the other ones because I have so many, I have every Nintendo home console. I have all but the original PlayStation uh, I have multiple PlayStation 3s, multiple PlayStation 4s. I have uh, every Xbox that's come out. I've got a Dreamcast. I'm missing a bunch of Sega consoles. I've got an Atari Lynx. I've got uh, every iteration of Game Boy except uh, the original. I've, I mean, it's just dumb, so I just have to figure out where I'm going to put all these stuff. I'm going to have literally an entire room of my new space. is just going to be shelves. So it's time to get on into Kita's Corner. And Jamie, what does Keto want us to know today? Uh, Keto wants you to know to spay or neuter your pets. Always adopt from a shelter when you can. Uh, it's uh, I know it's a little bit after Halloween, but if you can adopt a black cat, uh, consider doing so because they're often overlooked. Um, always make sure that if you're uh, getting a pet that you're prepared to handle it and actually take care of it. Don't just get one and then abandon it And after three months of like realizing that it's cute and that it's not going to be cute forever. And also, I thought that we, uh, when we talked about this, it was going to be Tristan's table or something like that. So now on into Tristan's table. Jamie, what does Tristan <laughs> want us to know this week? My 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 ten year old uh, uh, black gray brown tabby who is uh, 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 a menace, but uh, who loves me specifically very dearly, wants Hates you to know others. that he well not necessarily. He's just. He's very particular about how people approach him, but he is kind of a mean cat, yeah. Uh, he wants you to know that um, even though times are hard right now, you're still worth it, and uh, you need to make sure you take time for yourself and love yourself, and uh, that if you pick him up, he will bite you. And now on into the interesting fact of the day. 
Uh, I try to pick one that's topical to the show, and this is one we kind of already done, but I, I felt like it was the most topical one uh, I could find. So, currently, without counting handhelds, the PS4 is the second best-selling console, the Switch is the seventh, and the Xbox One is the ninth. And will the next-generation console surpass those numbers? Who knows? Who knows? That was dumb. It was the, it's the best I could come up with, man. Uh, I doubt it. I don't. I don't think uh, any of these are gonna sell as much as the PS4. If have. we're if we're if we're counting handhelds, then the PlayStation Two is the first, and the DS is the second, I believe. Yes, yes, if that's I'm, correct. If I'm and then it's Game correctly. Boy, and then it's Game Boy, then PS4. Well, yeah, but they count when they say Game Boy, they count Game Boy and Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance as the well, same. Well, when they count DS, they count DSi and DS all that too. Right, so but yeah. those are all fundamentally play the same games, right? There were six DSi exclusives. That was it. I mean, <laughs> I have a DSi. If you're not, I have a DSi too. I also mine is mine is like the limited edition Mario Super Mario 25th anniversary thing, and I got it from GameStop when I worked there for free. Because that's that was pretty much why I worked there was to get free stuff. It's it's the price you should buy a DSi at. That's what I'm hearing. It's trash, honestly. DSi. Well, I, the DSi had its merits, but it definitely there was a big loss with the fact that you couldn't play original Game Boy uh, Advance games on it. There really was. It's sad. I much honestly going back and playing on DS consoles now. My favorite iteration of the DS is the original DS. It's the most yeah. comfortable. It's not it's not as slim as the DS Lite, which was the one that I spent the most time playing when I was younger. Um, but it's the most comfortable and it's the it's the most durable and uh, there's something about its particular design that is uh, appealing to me just because it's such an of its time futuristic look. It's not futuristic at all, but you know when it came out they were like, Look at our handheld. It's so cool. I have the uh, the rose gold Nintendogs version. Yes. DS. Yes. Uh, oh, but man. Jamie, uh, where can people find stuff that you do, and what do you what what is stuff that you do? Yeah, I do all sorts of things. Um, really, if you're if you're interested in following me, pretty much follow me on Twitter at NJ Oblivion. That's Oblivion with an A O B L I V I A N. Um, from 2013 to 2018, I ran the Oblivion Studios, which Courtney helped, uh, produce, and then we retired it because it wasn't going the way we wanted it to, and that's okay, but, um, I'm currently working on Secrets. I just put out, uh, an EP called Jumpstart Sounds to the Ether, which is on all major streaming platforms, if you want to hear that. Uh, it's an alternative folk ambient album. I'm working on a whole bunch of stuff much of which involves Courtney and Alex in some capacity. And I I 100% promise you, even if I'm never on this podcast again, that y'all will hear about me because I, I have that effect on people. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerds at odds. Uh, check us out on YouTube and Twitch. We're trying to do some more video content. We're doing uh, game reviews in a video format over there if you want to check that out in a quick fashion. And of course, Twitter and Instagram for pictures of Kita, mostly on Instagram. A lot of pictures <laughs> yeah. of Kita. And remember, the show goes live for free on Fridays wherever you listen to podcasts. But if you want to get it four days early, ad free, and with the ability to submit your questions, comments, and concerns, head on over to patreon.com slash nerds at odds. See you guys next week.
Bye.